0: You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are in the third installment of our series. What's the name of our series? Okay, that is the voice of somebody who's unwavering. Unwavering. I hope that you're bold enough to say unwavering because... This is not just, in fact, an easy message to deliver because I know that Abraham's life wasn't really perfect. I mean, more than just really his mistakes and his uh, bloopers, we can learn a lot from him. And yet, if you keep track of uh, his life, you'll see that indeed the grace of God has held him every step of the way. So for the past few weeks, we have talked about Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 9. But I would want to really look back because I felt like that my message today is like a movie. I mean, It goes with a nice introduction and it's divided into three parts. So just like what we have talked about last week, it says right here in chapter 12, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. There's a promise and God will bless them. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed, not just Israel, but the entire world. In verse 4, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and his life is just starting. You need to understand that if you're not 75 or younger than Abram, you have all the opportunity and the faith to trust God for greater things. In verse 5, this is where the whole story is attached to. It says right here, And Abram took Sarai, his wife, And Lot, his brother's son or his nephew, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan when they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham was doing things almost perfectly and yet we know from our study for the past two weeks that there is a portion of his life that is not really right before God. God has what? Instructed him to what? Go and leave your kindred and your father's household. But he took what? Lot with him. And some of you here have been coming in and out of this gathering, and yet there is an issue in your heart that, you know, God has been dealing, and yet you are stubborn enough to listen to God and run away from what? From the corrections of God. God has been telling you, do something about this. It is not pleasing that you are living in this kind of life. And you opted to just what? Set aside whatever God has been telling you, and you don't want to hear the voice of God. And just like what I mentioned about a week ago, we have this propensity and a tendency for us to not hear the voice of God, and we're choosy with the words that we want to hear. But I'm telling you right now, whether you like it or not, the day will come, you will change, the day will come, you will repent. But you don't have to wait for that day. You can turn from your wicked ways and you allow God to give you the strength to do what is right and proper. Then I want to jump in verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. You need to understand if there is a promise and a blessing, there is always a testing. Unwavering faith will have blessings and life full of testings. Do you understand? In fact, if you're here right now, you are in the wrong place if you think that if I will become a Christian, everything will work out well. Because God's agenda is not just for you to be blessed. God wants you blessed. But God, more than anything else, he wants your faith to increase. Do you understand? You can be blessed and still be immature. And because you're immature, the blessings are what? Wasted. So God wants you to be blessed so that you have the faith to accommodate what God has in store for you. if you're here right now you're telling me pastor i want to do what is right because i want god to bless me i want to do what is proper because i want god to bless my life yes god will bless your life but god's agenda today is not just to bless you but to test you because the goal of god is not just for you to have a good life to have a nice car and a great marriage god wants you to mature god wants you to grow and most of the time god will use opportunities that you don't agree with that you have a pushback and you're simply saying that this is not for me And most of the time we have this uncanny ability to suggest to God how he should test us, how God should prune our character. So this story is about the different testings of Abraham. And I believe that most of you here, if you're running away from testings, I want you right now to just face the music and say, I want to face all the testings that comes my way because I want to align myself with God that his agenda will be my agenda. God's agenda is not just to bless you, but to test you so that you will what? You will grow, you'll mature, you will persevere. Now one of the things that I realized, that even though you're blessed, but your faith is growing and maturing, when all the blessings and everything that you have and you want is taken away from you, and what is left is your faith, you can start all over again and bounce back better than before. So first part, Genesis chapter 12, scene 1, act 1, chapter 1 of our message today is the famine. Now there was famine in the land. So Abraham went down to Egypt. This is part of the test. For the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman, beautiful in appearance. They went down. You need to understand that this is not the instruction of God. The instruction of God is to go to Canaan. But because there is famine, he went down to Egypt. That when you go outside of God's plan, you're in trouble. And a lot of us here, at times we have this ability again to classify whatever decisions that we have, that this is of God because I feel the is of God. One of the things that I would want to forewarn all of you when you rush into making a decision, most of the time it's not from God. Because you feel like you will lose the opportunity. Remember, you don't lose the opportunity. It is God who's holding the opportunity. God wants you to trust Him. God wants you to, what? to depend and believe in Him. The problem is that Abraham felt that God got it wrong. And all of us are guilty. That there are moments in our lives that we would always say, Baka nagamali ang Panginoon dahil natutulog ang God is informed with what's happening in your life. So the goal of the enemy is to confuse you that you don't understand God's Word because you are safe and protected right at the center of God's will. Nobody can touch you. If you obey God and you're right in the center. But this is not instruction of God. So Abram went out. But God did not stop him. And when the Egyptians see you, he said to Sarai, his wife, because she's very beautiful, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. What a guy. Where is this coming from? Did the Egyptians say that they will kill Sarai? Was there any information in the passage? But when you're living in fear... There is this ability to construct certain things in your mind. So makit ng mo, a cancer of the bone. Why? That every time you feel something in your body, why would you always think of the worst thing that can happen to you? Because you're living in the spirit of fear. And this is how it all started. He did not obey God. And God can provide for what he needs in wherever he is. But he went to Egypt in order for him to really find ways and means in order to provide for his family and his flocks. This is not the will of God. God is in control of the provision. And because of a wrong decision, he started living in fear. So you say you are my sister, which is really partly true because Sarai is his half-sister. Genesis chapter 20. But this is not really the motive of Abraham. He was living in fear. He wants to preserve himself. Try doing this to your wife. If I introduce you to our friends say that you're my sister. I mean, I'm telling you right now, you won't survive a day. Do this to my wife. Okay, you're dead, okay? Say you're my sister, that it may go well with me because of you. And we don't have men like this in victory, right? We have men who would just admit and would fight for what they believe. My point is, when Abraham entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very just like our wives, amen. This is really ridiculous. But because his not doing what God is asking him to do, and he's outside of the will of God, and he deviated from God's plan, the tendency is to take on whatever comes your way, instead of saying, God will provide for me. Now, you don't have to fear that God can supply my needs according to my riches and glory, because I have a lot. According not to your riches and glory, but according to his riches and glory. But because he's outside of the will of God, and when you're outside the will of God, you will live in fear and you will do things that are not of God. Fear leads to greater fear. When you start to make a decision towards fear, everything will be of fear. But when you start doing things out of faith, it leads to greater faith. This is why we want to develop the kind of response that, God, I don't want to do anything that's not of faith. Because when I start, and I will start doing things out of fear, out of financial comfort, everything that you will do and the lenses in which you would want to decide on certain things would be based on money. So, if you're here right now and you're acquainted to do things based on money, haven't you noticed that everything that you do in life and all of your decisions has always some financial considerations? I mean, there's nothing wrong, but allowing your finances to be part of the solution or part of the decision. But it should not dictate what kind of decision you will have in the next few years when it comes to doing what God is calling you to do. Because if part of your core value is how well am I doing well, you won't make any progress in your faith. How many of you here you have plans of getting married someday? And what's stopping you is money. We don't allow money to dictate. Why? Because it takes a lot of faith. Women, single women, marry a guy who has so much faith. Because faith... Well, help your marriage rise above every occasion that comes your way. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, Sarai. The woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and for her sake, he dealt well with Abraham. And he had sheep, oxen, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But before that, this is what happened. Chapter 12. But the book of Genesis, it says right here, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh, verse 17, his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her for my wife. Now then, here is your wife, take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him and they sent him away with his wife and all that he needed. You know, he was in the middle of a situation where he knows that he's not obeying God to the dot. But God still blessed him. But I want you to understand that because of the disobedience of Abraham, this is where Hagar was introduced who gave birth to Ishmael. And we know that Isaac and Ishmael has this, should I say, a war that has not been addressed these are the what? The Christians and the, or the Jews and the Arabs. This decision has cost Abraham that though he was blessed by Pharaoh by doing things outside the will of God, it has made the worst decision when it comes to Christian faith because of what is happening between Arabs and Christians and Muslims and because of this irresponsibility that he has. But you know one thing I know? In the midst of all of this, we know that God is on top and God is not intimidated with his situation. This is why when Abram went out with all that he has, I believe that he knows that what he did was not right. Moving forward in Genesis chapter 13, after the famine, there was a fallout. If you're familiar with the Bible, the fight between Abram's herdsmen and the people under his care against the people of Lot. So Abram went up from Egypt. He and his wife and all that he had and Lot with him into Negev. We know Lot should not be with Abram, right? This guy is stubborn. How many of you here can relate with Abram? You look like a Christian, but deep in your heart, you're stubborn. All of us. you that you say, but you hindi but Most of us are like that. You will have your day, and my job is not to twist your arm and change your heart. God will deal with you. Don't wait. If you know that there is a prompting by the Holy Spirit in your heart that God's changing your heart, ask that God, I'm hard-headed, I'm stubborn. I don't want to obey. Help me obey you. You don't have the ability to obey God. So this is the whole story. That Abraham, in fact, his time in Egypt is a wasted time because anything that is not of the will of God is a wasted time. It will do more harm than good. Eventually, as we study the next three, four weeks, we will understand that his decision in chapter 12, has consequences in chapter 22, 24, 25, and the rest is history. So Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negeb as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. He went back to the place where he erected an altar. And my understanding of this is that after you sin against God and you miss the whole point, I don't want you to feel condemned. Do you understand There's a big difference between conviction and condemnation because conviction will cause you to want to have godly repentance that I know that I made a mistake. Lord, I don't want to follow this path again. I want to make a U-turn and repent of my sins. And I hope every single day we repent. And this is not a topic on repentance, but repentance is a change of mind, metanoia, which means that the more that you acknowledge that you are a sinner and you have done so many mistakes, the more that you want, you will walk in humility because you're humble, God can change your life. We're not fighting for perfection, amen. We're fighting for progress. How many of you here, you appreciate that through the years, you know your life is not perfect, but you've seen the progress in your life. You've seen that God's been working in your heart. That God is not irritated with your ways, that he is slow to anger and abounding in love. This is why I like how God went about loving Abraham. It says right here to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. Instead of torturing himself about what happened in Egypt and how he went out the will of God, he got busy doing what he needed to do, living as as an altar worshiper for God, calling on the name of the Lord. This should be our reaction. I hope as followers of Christ, we have the strength, the grace of God to start all over again. And Lot who went with Abraham also had flocks and herds and tents so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together because this is not the will of God. You should do things all by yourself since chapter 12 so that the land can support you. But you did not obey me. Therefore, the land cannot support you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. God commanded Abram to leave his family behind when he came to the land of Canaan, chapter 12. But Abram brought his nephew Lot along with him. This was the start of trouble. Again, he made a mistake in Egypt, now another mistake that he's suffering from. How many of you here, you are in this situation? That there are certain things that though God does not condemn any of us, but because of a wrong decision, we're suffering the consequences of everything that we did in the past. But I'm telling you right now, God isn't finished with you yet. The Lord is laban The Lord is still faithful. Amen? The Lord is still good. There is time and space to bounce back and recover. Come on now! Change is coming. And there was strife between Abraham's livestock and herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And if you take a closer look, God has blessed them. Do you understand? God doesn't hate them even though they're not right at the center of God's will, God is blessing them. But if you have a relationship with God, this is not a validation that if God is blessing you, you know that everything is doing well when it comes to your relationship with God. You can be enjoying the blessings of God and yet be not right with God. Do you understand? And we'll talk about, I think next week, about the God's covenant with us. That He will remain to be faithful even though you're not faithful. But I hope that you will not abuse the grace of God. And all of us are guilty as well of abusing the grace of God. When the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land, they say that if these people are fighting over this, I mean, what kind of God do they represent? And I realize every time I would encounter this passage, this is a reflection as well. That's something I hope we can learn from. That even fellow Christians would fight and lose their testimony because of their pride. And I hope you do understand that this is not the will of God. And if you take a closer look, if you continue fighting because of our right towards having, just like Lot and Abram, having the possessions and everything that they have acquired, which is really not a good picture of who they are, because these are the things that are just objects that God has blessed you with. This is not what we live for. Then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me. Now, hearing from a guy who instructed his wife that you're my sister, and now you see that God is working in his heart. I mean, surprising that Abraham, who's older than his nephew, would settle the issue. That even though you know that you're right because you are older and you're reasonable, but you go out of your way and settle the issue and even apologize. That should be the spirit that we have. If you take a closer look, Lot will never be blessed if he did not attach himself to Abram. He's, he's wise enough to partner with somebody who has a promise. But Abram did not use it against him. He opted to work on the issue. And between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. If you take a closer look, is not the whole land before you separate before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. He's giving him the upper hand and all the decision. If this is what you want, I'll take the opposite direction. Do you see the transformation that is happening in the heart of Abram? Instead of fighting and cutting corners and finding his way in order for him to decide properly based on what he thinks is right. But he allowed Lot to do such thing, to make the decision. Why? Because Abram's faith is not based on what he sees. It's based on what God sees. He's not walking according to what he sees. He's walking by faith. So if you are interfacing and you have people that you talk and you feel like they're taking advantage of you, I'm not saying that you allow them to take advantage of you. You say your peace. You stand for what is right and proper. But remember, it is not them who will give you the breakthroughs. It is the God that you serve who will prosper your life. It is God of the heavens and the earth that will bless your life. There is nothing to worry about Because long ago, as the seed of Abraham, God has promised that he will take care of you. God will take care of us. The instruction was separate. He did not yield to Lot because he's weak. He allowed Lot to make the decision because of love. This is a story of a man that we can relate to, that God is indeed working in his life. Remember, unwavering faith looks to God, and not to what looks good. And all of us are guilty of this. Ganda It's a great deal, a great opportunity. Minsan Pastor, eighty percent off. Basahin mo yung up to. Not everything. But because there is this nagging feeling that you have to take the opportunity because you might miss the opportunity. And you've been probably bugging your husband. Bilina na yan. Or your wife. Bilina na yan. And you know in your closet you have the same item. Do you understand? Hindi yun mo talaga. But if you take a walk and you choose to take a walk and take a break for about one or two days, you realize that the desire, usually it fades. Because our fight should not just be when you feel the rush of buying and getting things. There is such thing as delayed gratification. I'll take a walk. If this is really for me, and if I don't have this, I will not die. And I know, and you know, that 90% of everything that we bought in the past did not even define your life. And some of the things that you buy are the things that you buy because you want to make an impression to people. You're going out of your way to please the people that you don't even like because you want to win their attention, their approval? For once, you need to understand that you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I'm not saying that you should not buy. What I'm trying to say, let's not be attracted to the offers of the world. Let's take a walk and trust God and let God pave the way. If there is a business deal, some of you are so eager because if I don't do this, if I don't take advantage of this opportunity, I might starve to death Let's make it clear. Your job is to be present in any business meetings and any opportunity. The job of God is to feed you and bless you. Just show up. God will take care of the rest. Do you understand? If you take a closer look, it says right here in Genesis chapter 13, let me read in the last part before we read verse 13. It says right here, And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered. Again, he saw it with his eyes; he did not see it by faith. And well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zawar. In verse 11, so Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley. And move his tent as far as Sodom, there is a big problem. Because he saw things based on his appetite, based on his value system. He did not see that by moving towards that direction, though you see that the land is good, there is a tendency for you to deviate again from the purposes of God. When you're walking, According to your flesh, you're always gravitating to things that are entertaining, awesome, and great. The problem with these things, it is so good that it will pull you away from God. Have you seen the devil appear right before your eyes? (laughs) Nobody will give in to the temptation. It has to be attractive and beautiful and appealing. When you see things according to your own perspective and according to your standards, not according to the values of God, I promise all of you hear that you'll get into trouble. This is why I am excited what God is doing the life of Abraham because before, his decisions are always based on how he sees things. If you take a closer look, Abraham, when he instructed his wife, he was busy trying to save his faith. You see in the latter part of our message that from saving faith. The saving faith. That the life that he has was a journey of trusting God. This is why in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it states right here that guard your heart for it is deceitful. Your heart can deceive you. And there's a reason why I find it really funny when I hear celebrities who would even make a remark that trust your heart. Listen to your heart. In fact, we have songs. But listen to your heart, believe in yourself. You're guaranteed of downfall if you adhere to such value. We don't listen to ourselves. We don't listen to our heart. We don't listen even to what we want in our appetite. We listen to what God wants and we follow the standards of God. This is the best way for you to evade any downfall in life. And this is what happened to Abram. He allowed Lot to make a decision because his decision of following what God wants was his decision that he knows that I'm learning from the past I will not repeat history. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. This is the environment in which Lot is part of. Lot made his choice purely based on what he could see. Cared nothing for how it would impact his life and family. As much as anything faith means, we do not walk by what we see, but by what we know to be true in God. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Abram, walk by faith. Lot, walk by sight. If something is beautiful, take a walk. If something is appealing, take a walk. If there is an opportunity abroad, take a walk. Because you will not lose the opportunity. But there is a deadline. Pray about it. Let God give you the peace. If this is really it. But if the basis is money, I want you to ask God for the grace that you will not decide based on money. Decide on what pleases God. If you decide because of money, everything that you will do will always be based on money. If you decide based on what pleases God, everything that you do will be based on what pleases God. It wasn't Lot's choice that led his heart astray. His heart was already astray. So don't ever blame God when you make a bad decision because that is only an external manifestation that your heart is not right. And ladies and gentlemen, in the coming weeks, months, and years, you will have an opportunity to do what is right and wrong. You will do what is pleasing to God and not at all. And because of the journey that you have with God, your faith will be tested. Most of you will be tested tomorrow, tonight, next week, next month. But because your value is that you walk by faith and not by sight, you will make the right decision. The Lord said to Abram after Lot left, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give it to you and to your offspring forever. He did not grab the opportunity. He did not take advantage. of He allowed Lot make your decision. And God validated him. You don't have to move anywhere. Because it is I who will prosper you. It is not the land that will bless you. Again, I want to challenge the whole idea. I know there are benefits of going abroad and leaving your family. I'm not against it. I'm not saying that it's sin to leave your family. But take a closer look. Can God bless you here? Can God prosper you here? Can God bless your family wherever you are? The question is, will you obey God where you are? Because the enemy will give you opportunities after opportunities that you will move out from the perfect will of God. So the famine in Egypt has caused Abraham to have a better grasp that God is working in my heart. The falling out with Lot has caused him to learn from what took place in Egypt. And he's getting better and he's getting stronger. How many of you here can relate to Abraham? We fall down, we get back up, and move forward. The third part is the fight. From famine to the fallout to the fight. The journey is quite long, but God has been dealing with His character constantly. In verse 8, I don't want to start in verse 1, because it will take so much of our time. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, now imagine with me the king of Sodom and Lot's tent is just speech in that area. The king of Adma, the king of Zebuim, and the king of Bela went out and they joined battle in the valley of Sidim. With Kedorlamer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of Goem and Amraphel, king of Shinar, and our king of Elessar. We know one thing, they fought. Four kings against five. So what? <laughs> Now the valley of Zidim was full of bitumen pits. Okay, you can Google it, okay? You don't have to explain it. And as the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into them, and the rest fled to the hill country. There was a fight. So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a nice place. It's well watered. Okay, just like what the word of God states. And all their provisions and went their way. They also took lot. This is what happens to you if you live according to your appetites and what you want. You don't know what the future holds for you. This is why it pays to trust God. It pays to do the will of God. Momentarily, it doesn't sound good, but obey God. You will bear the fruits of trusting God. I would rather sacrifice in the onset and enjoy the benefits of trusting God than enjoy in the onset and eventually suffer the consequences of my decision. They took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions, and went their way. I just can't understand. He was living the life, and because it's outside the will of God, he will never be spared. This is why I want you to hear this loud and clear. There is such thing as a circle of blessing. And if you have kids, you can teach them that you just stay in the circle of blessing and you will be protected. God cannot protect you outside of that circle. You are making yourself vulnerable. But because God is God, even though you're outside of that circle of blessing, circle of obedience, God will still give you the grace to survive and give you opportunities to repent so that you can go back inside that circle. My point for saying this is that Lot was just a collateral of how the four and five kings fought against each other. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew. I was, when I was reading this, I was imagining the movies that I've watched. Palagi talaga para magsumbong. Napansin If you love Filipino movies, police sa factory. a typical Filipino movie. But here, meron nakalisota. Who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Echkol and Anur? These were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsman had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as then. 318. You know why? I don't know, but it's 318, okay? You think there is a hidden code, okay? My point for saying this, only a rich man, a person with so much affluence and influence that can train 318 men, okay? You need to be rich in order for you to have this type of special forces. And went into pursuit as far as them. This demonstrates the great wealth of Abram. And he divided his forces against them by night so he's not just a farmer. He has a strategic mind like a soldier. He and his servants and defeated them and pursued them to Huba north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsmen, Lot with his possessions, and the women and the people. More than just his military insights, he succeeded in rescuing Lot and recovering all the plunder, all the goods seized by the four kings. Unfortunately, if you read the story of Lot, okay, Lot's life did not get better. In Genesis 19, he refused the warning of God and ultimately he was judged in Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, unwavering faith lives dangerously all for the glory of God. What's my point here? And all of you are familiar with this one. That if your value as a person starting today is that Lord, by the faith that I'm blessed with, everything that I do today will make you happy. Everything will fall in the right places. That's the reason why the vision of victory is not to have a big church. It's not to have a great coliseum in order for us to gather people. It's not to have great pastors. It's not because we have a lot of projects. What is our vision? Honor God. In fact, it's easy to make disciples if our disciples are familiar with honor God. In fact, you don't have to monitor anyone if they are disciples, if they know how to honor God. You know what? My message is very simple. That faith is an act wherein you, before you make a decision, you ask yourself, does it honor God? Does it please God in your marriage, in your parenting skills, in the way you relate with women and men, in the way you talk, behind somebody's back, does it honor God? In the way you manage your finances, when it comes to your time, when it comes to the things that you buy. I'm not here to judge anyone. But my goal is that, does it honor God? Because anything that we do that doesn't really please God would be for our own pain, for our own downfall. And if you don't ask this question, as men and women of faith, that Lord, when I go through something, what is the purpose? Because I'm here for the promise. The purpose of everything that we go through, that we are strengthened and we grow in our faith, and in our understanding of who God is. You know, I have shared this story before. I think some of you can really relate. There are times when we we pass a situation and a problem and a challenge or a sickness in the family. I know it's not the will of God. And we feel like, God, my only dream is for you to deliver me from this situation. God will deliver you, but it's a blessing for you to be in that situation. I'm not saying that it is the will of God, but it is for your own good. Consider it your joy when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith will develop what? Perseverance. And when you are perfect and complete, you will lack nothing. It's a joy to be in that situation because God's agenda is for your faith muscles to grow. Unwavering faith lives for its purpose no matter what comes our way. We discussed three chapters with just one objective that when you're in trouble, And when you're in pain, it is for your own good. Because the agenda of God is not just for you to live a comfortable life. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be comfortable. But moreover, God wants you to be strong. And by faith, we will journey together just like Abraham, that we will grow stronger, better, and faster. Stronger, when it comes to facing the different trials that comes our way, better that our response should be a response of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness. It is a response, not a reaction. We're Or better that we live with so much peace, security. Because we know what we are going through is not outside of the will of God. When I say faster, mention stronger, better, faster, that when you're in pain, your response is that you want to thank God. Lord, thank you for the situation. That you worship God. How many of you here, you have a song that when we are in pain and in trouble, you can worship God? Because worship is a sign of faith that Lord, I can still worship you even I don't agree with my situation. The other day, A friend of ours, Eileen and I, we prayed for her. She was diagnosed with cancer. She's in her late, I think, 30s. She has been preaching and ministering to people and, and, and the Lord is using her mightily. I love the vulnerability for her to admit that I don't know what the solution is, but I know that I can worship God. For some of you, you might not reconcile the whole picture because life will always demand that you explain to yourself why you are in that situation. Your job is not to explain. God's job is to explain. Your job is to look to God. Lord, thank you for what you've done in the preaching of your word. The Lord, our faith will not waver and I know it takes a lot of grace. Because I know, God, that if we just take a closer look at the life of Abraham, his life is full of compromises, full of cutting corners and taking shortcuts. But Lord, You stood by his side. You take him and you took him by the hand. And right now, I want you to imagine that God is holding you by the hand and God is simply validating all of us that our fight is not yet over. That he will hold us. That if you're simply saying, Lord, am I really deserving of your love because of what I did for the past few weeks, months, and years? Some of you here, you have denied Jesus in the way you live your life. But if you ask God for forgiveness, sa you say, God, forgive me, and I want you to restore my life. Help me recover. Help me know you. Help me, Lord God, trust you. That if I face tomorrow with uncertainties, I choose to trust you. When life intimidates me with sickness, I will worship you. I will respond the way you want me to respond. I know it's hard, but I will do this by faith. I pray that you give them the faith to trust you. Lord, we surrender everything to you. If the purpose of my situation is to grow my faith, you're not just raising your hand as a form of surrender. You're simply saying, God, I'm raising my hand because I am welcoming whatever you're doing in my life. I welcome you, Jesus, that you take control of my life. Thank you, Jesus. I welcome your shaping, I welcome your love, I welcome, look at your correction. I welcome, Lord God, a spirit of humility. I welcome perseverance. I welcome you in my life. There is nothing more that I desire and long for. I welcome you in my life. Lord, I even ask that if there's somebody here who wants to follow you, that if they're going through something, I pray that they will welcome you in their lives. And Lord, you have said in your word that you died for us while we are still sinners. Jesus, I am sorry for all my sins. And I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Jesus, I welcome you into my life. And today, you are the Lord and Savior of my life.